Hello, and welcome to the History of Religion podcast. I am J.A. Graham, and this is episode 14 of the History of Christianity series titled The Origin of the Storm. Last time we looked at mainstreams of movement of Christianity in the second century and tried to get a glimpse of the overarching ideas and on-the-ground experiences of Christians at the time. Today we are transitioning from the second century to the third. Marcus Aurelius was succeeded by his son Commodus in 180. Commodus was not a good emperor, and he continued the mild persecution of the Christians until his death in 192. After his death, there was a fight for the throne among five men. Eventually, Septimius Severus became emperor. The empire had been badly hurt by the fighting and was now past its prime, it seemed. To help consolidate power, Septimius Severus made all religion and philosophy subservient to one god, Sol Invictus, or the unconquered son. This immediately caused issues for the Christians, and in 202 Severus outlawed conversions to Christianity. A famous martyrdom account from this time is of two women named Perpetua and Felicity. They resided in North Africa. Perpetua was a young mother around 22 years old and had a father that hated Christianity. After her father tried to attack her in order to make her recant her faith, he had her locked up in prison. Other Christians came and paid to have her released, but she refused. She wanted to suffer for her faith. Felicity soon joined Perpetua in prison. Felicity was pregnant when she arrived, and Roman law did not allow for the torture of pregnant women. The day came when Perpetua was to be brought into the arena and eaten by wild animals. But Felicity was still pregnant and wanted to be killed along with her friend. So the story goes that they prayed for her to give birth, and she did. Both were taken in along with other Christians and were attacked by leopards, bears, and bulls. Then at the end, they were stabbed to death by the guards. So things were starting to heat up for the Christians under the new emperors, and as the empire went into decline, the more people saw the Christians as scapegoats to be blamed for not pleasing the gods. Something that this story does is transition us to North Africa. The center of Christianity after Jerusalem had been Antioch and a focus on Asia Minor, but now the power shift is going to North Africa. A late apologist named Minesius Felix, who lived in the late 2nd century, wrote in Latin rather than Greek which broke from the other apologist. This is unique because it shows that the center of Christianity was moving from the eastern part of the empire to the western part specifically in North African cities like Alexandria and Carthage. Also, it is important to note that the Christians were warming up to the Romans in new ways as well. A great example was the Bishop Apollinaris of Areopolis in Asia Minor, who made up a story about Marcus Aurelius recruiting Christians who then prayed and caused a storm to arise and defeat an enemy. Of course, this was all false, and in reality, one of the most problematic things the Roman Empire had with Christianity was many Christians refused to serve in the military, and in reality Marcus actually persecuted the Christians. But the story shows how the Christians were beginning to try to adopt the empire rather than fight it more and more. The Christians also began to request permission to dig catacombs in places like Rome. The term catacomb comes from a system of tunnels that stretched 68 miles and held over 875,000 burials. Christians believed that the physical resurrection of the dead was essential to the religion, so the burial of the dead was an important part in order to keep the remains together for when they were resurrected. All these developments meant that the Christians were interacting with the broader culture and empire more often. Also, it meant that there would be more conflict in the century to come. Not only will Christianity be attacked physically, but new religions will rise up and new philosophers to attack the faith. The third century is perhaps the most dire for Christians
Christians and Christianity in retrospect. So as we enter the third century, we are looking at two North African thinkers who held major sway over the proto-Orthodox movement at the time, even though one will later be labeled a heretic. The first Christian is Clement of Alexandria, different from the Clement of Rome, who we covered in a previous episode. Clement of Alexandria obviously lived in Alexandria, which is at the time the second most important city in the Roman Empire after Rome. Clement shows up with writings around 170 to 180. He has three extant works for us to examine from his time. The first is a work to Greek philosophy. In it, he uses Justin Martyr's Lagos theology to argue how Christ is educating humanity about true knowledge of God. Clement sought to synthesize Christianity with the broader culture, a technique that will be used time and time again in Christian history. He used the Lagos as a meeting point between Greek philosophy and Christian theology, and then tried to build on that. Another work of his is called The Tutor. In that work, he tried to teach Christians how to live their everyday life. It was a handbook of sorts for Christian etiquette. His big work, though, was Carpetbags. This is an odd one. In it, he basically rambles on about stuff. He tries to synthesize Christianity with Gnosticism at points. He uses common terms like Gnosis to build bridges. Also, he takes certain compromises between Gnosticism and Proto-Orthodoxy. For example, he says that marriage is good, as the Proto-Orthodox argued, but he said that married couples would not have sex for pleasure, something that the Gnostics believed. He called Christians the true Gnostics. He actively sought to bring in Gnosticism to the fold and bring Christianity into the broader culture. No doubt his education and position in Alexandria helped to form him in this methodology. Clement was extremely well educated and quoted philosophers ubiquitously in his works. Clement is a great example of how Christianity is starting to mesh and meet the culture on its own turf. Clement's disappeared around 200 after persecution of Christians began in Alexandria. Many scholars believe that he died in Asia Minor from 211 to 216. Another and far more influential North African was Origen. Origen was born around 185 in Alexandria. His real name was Origenes Adamantius. He was born to Christian parents and was interested in the religion from an early age. He was a pious child and sought out to learn the Christian scriptures. His father was martyred in 202, and Origen tried to join him, but his mother hid his clothes so he couldn't leave the house. So Origen settled for theological training. He became a student of Clement, who we just spoke about. An interesting tradition is that Origen read Matthew 19.12, which says, quote, For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. End quote. Origen accepted this and castrated himself. So he went all in quite literally. Origen rose through the ranks quickly and was appointed as the head of catechizing. Catechizing involved people who wished to join the church and were put through a process to train them and teach them about the faith before they were baptized. Baptism and the Eucharist, or communion, were very exclusive for the early church, meaning that only the Christians could participate. Those that were awaiting baptism were taught by someone like Origen and were called catechumens, which in the Greek literally means to teach. This process typically took two to three years, so by this time the Christians were becoming very well versed in their own religion, something that is drastically different from what we were seeing just 50 years prior. Origen took his time to travel the empire and learn from pagan and Christian philosophers, so Origen was a force to be reckoned with by the time he was in his 40s. Origen was ordained a presbyter by a church in Caesarea, which was not normal. Typically the church that you were home to, which Origen's was in Alexandria, would have been the one to ordain 
anyone for anything. Yet so Alexandria protested this and said that he was disqualified because of his self-castration. Origen was then excommunicated from the church. He spent the rest of his life in Caesarea producing great theological treatises. He was arrested under Decius's persecutions in 250, but under intense torture and died because of it in 254. Origen wrote a lot, and some has survived until today. His works are split up into four main genres. The first is biblical writings. He wrote what was called the Hexapla, which was an edition of the Old Testament that had other Hebrew texts next to it. Those texts in Greek and four Greek translations of the Old Testament. It was a beast of a work, to say the least. He wrote commentaries on almost every book of the Bible. The second genre is his systematic theology called First Principles. It was the first systematic theology in Christian history that we know of. He divided the book into four sections, God, creation, free will, and scriptures. The third category is his work against Celsus. We have already met Celsus in the first century as a pagan philosopher who attacked Christianity in the second half of that century. Celsus's work was good and precise. It caused a lot of problems for Christians who wanted to defend Christianity philosophically. So Origen took him on. Origen, for the most part, does pretty well and shows his own education in his ability to take on Celsus. Origen's more lasting point was that Christians were not to obey the empirical laws if the law of humans contradicts the law of God. Christians must suffer the consequences of their disobedience peacefully, something that will be used up into the present day, even in secular contexts, like David Thoreau's civil disobedience. The final genre of Origen's work are his handbooks or practical works. He wrote on topics like prayer, martyrdom, and others. Origen exemplified the Alexandrian allegorical interpretation method. He thought that all of the Bible had three levels of meaning. The first was the literal meaning. The second was the moral slash ethical meaning. And the third was the spiritual meaning. What he brought to the theological table for the proto-Orthodox movement was the argument for the Father and the Son, or the Logos, being two distinct persons, which was contested at the time. Some asserted that the Logos was part of the Father or an expression of him, but Origen argued that the two were distinct persons. Also, Origen made the point that the Logos, or the Son, was not part of creation. He was not created. This is crucial to later developments in the church. What Origen would later on in history be condemned as a heretic for was his belief in that there were levels of divinity, which he got from Platonism. The Father was the most pure and divine. The Son was a bit lesser, and the Spirit was even less. They were distinct, but not necessarily equal. Also, Origen held to universalism, the idea that everyone is saved. He believed that hell was not permanent, but just a place where souls were purified and made worthy of going to heaven. Ideas like this is why he was labeled a heretic by later Orthodox Christians. Origen had a much more profound impact on the Eastern Church than the Western Church, though. During the Arian controversy in the 4th century, the Eastern Church will look to Origen to provide them with the arguments for their own theology. Origen will also be as divisive in his death as he was in his life. It is because of this that he is extremely important in Christianity even as his ideas are later refuted and he has called himself a heretic. Yet, lucky for him, hell is not permanent. We have covered two main Christian thinkers that bridged the 2nd century to the 3rd century. They both resided in North Africa in the city of Alexandria. Next time we will stay in North Africa and move down the coast a bit to Carthage, where there were more Christians taking hold and arguing for the new faith. So I hope to see you then here on the History of Religion podcast.